Good morning. For those who like the book The Prophet by Khalil Gibran, you perhaps remember that before the prophet shares his wisdom on various aspects of human life, uh, he reflects on leaving his city of 12 years. And he says somewhat poetically, it is not a garment that I cast off this day, but a skin that I tear with my own hands. That was my feeling on leaving First Congregational after 28, 29 years as the senior minister. The congregation and church had so woven itself into my blood and tissue uh, that uh, I too knew the tearing of one's flesh. There were two losses most keenly felt. First, of course, was the absence in my life of uh, the frequent contact I had with members and friends. But the second loss was this meeting house. Its simplicity of form, its lack of ecclesiastical clutter of symbols and stained glass, its place of quiet, of memories, its setting in this green space, a far cry from what the locals call this place, back before the church was built, Frog Swamp. (laughs) The Irish have a term that they call thin places, places where they say the veil between heaven and earth is very thin. In fact, there's a Celtic saying that heaven and earth are only three feet apart, but in, in thin places, the distance is even shorter. So certainly on Sundays, but also during the week, even on hot summertime days, by myself I would walk across the grounds here and sit for a period in silence for recovery and renewal. There's a luminous quality to the air and space of this meeting house. I hope you have found it. But I'm not here just to reminisce about loss at retirement, but to offer a background to this church's endowment. Three decades or so ago, I found myself up in Colorado for a meeting. Uh, The reason for the meeting is lost to the oblong blur of memory. The church was situated on a piece of property that had a ravine cutting through the middle of it around 8 to 10 feet wide and about 6 feet deep. The architect had placed the sanctuary on one side of the ravine and parking, since it was near the street, and on the other side, the educational facilities and the offices. And moving from one part of the property to the other, one crossed on a wide and sturdily built wood bridge. Walking across that bridge, I noticed some glittering objects in the walls of the ravine. I assumed that I had not discovered a new gold mine. (laughs) But I was curious, and I walked down the steps to see what was there, and found that the shiny objects were polished brass plates about three times the size of a business card. And inscribed on the plates was the name of a person and, I assumed, the dates of birth and death. And inquiring, I found that 
members of a deceased could obtain a brass plaque for $300 contributed to a special fund, the interest of which would maintain the grounds of the church. The air trip back to Houston solidified my thinking about what could be done in this church. When I proposed the memorial garden, it was readily accepted, especially since so many members of the church were from other parts of the country and even other parts of the world, and they had no desire to be buried, have their ashes shipped to place of origin. But the next part of my proposal lasted all of 23 and one-half seconds before it was shot down. I had suggested that for those who wanted, sim- wanted, similar to Colorado, their names would be permanently inscribed on bricks for $300. And that money would then be placed in a permanent fund for the maintenance of the grounds. 23 and a half seconds. In my focus on the possibility of what could be done, <clears throat> I had passed over one of the unwritten rules of this church. No special recognition is given to people because of money. No individual or family name is attached to any building or room. And for example, if there's any name that could be attached in this church, it certainly would be Wynn and Tom Greeson. Wynn is the founder of this church, Tom is the architect of the three buildings. It's part of the DNA of this church, and I had forgotten that. Well, backing off my idea for the purchase of bricks and a permanent fund for landscaping, my my mind morphed into thoughts of a permanent endowment fund. And so I preached a sermon, teaching a tombstone to talk. The idea being that the money we accumulate in our working life can continue to do good even after we die. I even proposed that we set a goal of a million dollars by the year 2000. And that was suggestion was rapidly accepted, as long as it was for everyone. And so the endowment fund was set up. And although we did not reach the million dollar mark by the year 2000, Today, the church has moved beyond that mark. One additional aspect of the fund is my personal involvement that I wish to mention. Prior to retirement, there were various proposals for a special gift for Maggie and myself, the most exotic being a cruise around the world. Always feeling that the church treated us well and knowing that the endowment fund at that point was languishing, I thought that a more appropriate retirement gift would be adding to the endowment. And so the committee responsible for a proposal uh, that the congregation proposed that the congregation raised $100,000, which to me was an incredible sum, split 50 for Maggie and 50 for myself. That money is now in the endowment, the income from which goes to music and education for Maggie's legacy, and my income to help theological students in their professional graduate education, 
since that had been a particular focus of mine. The First Congregational Church of Houston Endowment still exists. That is what endowments do. They continue to exist. As an organization changes, as programs change, an endowment continues to exist to provide continuing support. Members found that they could teach their tombstones to talk. Well over a million dollars now. So out of a rocky ravine in Colorado came not gold, but an idea that was the seed for the memorial garden, and it morphed into the endowment fund. Thank you, Bob. And we have this nice little team uh, preaching going here, although our sermons aren't necessarily related other than the theme of endowment. For my uh, sermon this morning, I take the 32nd verse, uh, the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all shrubs and puts forth large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Pray with me. Holy God, may our reflections on your word lead us into deeper commitment to you so that we may discover how our talents can multiply on behalf of your kingdom. Amen. Mm-hmm.